Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, joined by my co-host and very good friend, J.D. Hall. And J.D., in the tradition, actually, you know what? I don't think I have a curveball for you this week, but do you have a curveball for me? Hmm. Let me see. That I didn't expect that. Uh, let me see. The curveball is the making you throw the curveball. Yeah, that that that's that might just be what it is, cause I can't think of it. All right. Well, you know what? It was a, it was a nice try. Um, well, <laughs> the curveball will be back next week. We got we're on a little bit of a time crunch tonight, so it might sound like we're rushing a little bit, but really we're just. Uh, we're going to, you know, try to get through some of these teams. We don't need to talk about all of them that much. This is the last, JD, this is the last team pod of the season. We're going to have to find what we're going to want to do next week. But really exciting time in Power Hour land. And But before that, um, probably the biggest news this week, probably some of the biggest news of the season, is that Kyrie Irving, the state of New York, has finally allowed him to play in home games for the Brooklyn Nets. And... JD, like we've been waiting all year. We've been waiting to see what the mayor's office would do. And all it took was just the pressure from the actual popular teams in town with the Yankees and Mets for this policy to change. So, yeah, so fast, right? So fast. After, it's crazy. Spring training starts and they're like, huh, these guys might actually miss games. And then uh, JD, like here, it, this is, I, we don't need to talk about this, but if the lockout didn't end, <laughs> Kyrie probably wouldn't have played this year. Just like, yeah. Just straight up. And JD, talk about Kyrie's impact. Like, do you think it's going to make any material impact for this season? Or do you think that for the Nets, this season is probably just a lost season and they need to try to come back really strong next year? Um, I can agree to, to a, a, an extent because I feel like, um, I feel like, for the most part, they get the trade, they get the pieces that they need, and I. The question kind of arises: All right, what can they do next year when fully healthy? Where they got time to build the? Get a steal like Drummond. Um, next season. I believe he had a one-year deal. I don't think Drummond comes back and resign for for a couple pennies like he did this year. He he really got his stock to rise back up playing with Brooklyn, and team is actually going to go after him. Uh, Seth Curry, another one. Um, I know he probably sticks around, but it's a strong chance that he don't. Team's going to come calling. Seth is one of the hottest role players in the league, especially after the playoffs last year. His stock shot up because it literally looked like him and B versus Atlanta. Um, but then again, you don't get many opportunities to play with Katie and Kyrie. 
So they might choose to stay. I think Seth Curry would be more willing to stay. Um, Drummond, you got to convince Drummond. So they might, I think they might have to just say, let's go all in still. Because, I mean, and then with Katie and Kyrie still getting older, you you do want to try to compete for a chip every chance you can with those guys. So, I mean, that's the logical answer from you. My thing, like, I think the thing about this year is that their defense is just horrible, right? It's just horrible. And defense is about chemistry, right? And I'll talk about that more when we talk about one of our teams for later. Mm-hmm. But... Defense is just about chemistry and they have none of it, right? They've been really fragmented all season. Everyone's missed a whole lot of time. You know, KD missed a lot. Obviously, I don't need to delve into the Kyrie thing. Harden missed a good amount of time when he was there. Ben Simmons hasn't played all season for either team. Yeah. (laughs) So there's just been no opportunities to build chemistry. And I think they're going to be a team no one wants to play in round one. They might even win round one, right? Depending on the opponent. Yeah. I don't think that they are going to make the finals. I'm willing to put it out there because that would just be an impossible. <laughs> like they took it to Miami, but Miami's on a little bit of a slump right now. Yeah, right? terribly, terribly. They're losing to the Hornets in Kyrie's first home game right now. Yeah, <laughs> they've given up one of two through you know the first. Well, doing some quick math, 41 minutes of the game here. <laughs> that's um, that's not great. The Hornets are probably going to score 120, and 120 is the number the Nets have become familiar with being on the opponent's scoreboard. That's just they they allowed 132 in a game this week to the Grizzlies without John Morant, right? Yeah, like they can't stop anybody, and the Grizzlies have been really good without Josh. So don't take that as an insult towards them. But they still shouldn't score 132 without Ja against anybody. Yeah. yeah. And I, JD, I just, I think the Nets, for my money, I still really like their team, right? I still think that, you know, Katie's the best player in the world. I think Kyrie's probably top 15, top 10 guy in the world. I just, I don't, I don't think it's happening this year. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely understand where you're coming from, especially considering the fact they best defender don't know his teammates. It's a lot that they have to really work on as a team. So I definitely can understand that. It's like offense. You can plug a guy in and he'll make an impact on offense a lot easier than a guy you can plug in and just be like, okay, do this for our defense. Unless it's like for a superstar perspective, I'll say like role players, it's a little bit easier for them to like you put them in there and they like affect your defense a little bit. But adding a superstar to your defense and just and Ben Simmons is a defensive superstar. He's not an offensive superstar in my mind, but defensively, he's one of the best defenders in the league. And it's still it's just not going to figure it out overnight. You need chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. in a major way. So I think the Nets will be an interesting team to monitor from that standpoint. Um, the other big news and JDR and I aren't going to talk about this, especially since our last podcast <laughs> spent a lot of time on the Clippers, but Paul George has been cleared to practice. We don't know when he's going to play, but this is encouraging because there is a week between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. So if he doesn't come back in the regular season, I would bet he still plays in the playoffs. And Actually, no, because I forgot the Clippers are in the play-in. So. And the play-in. 
but still there's like three days, three or four days between the first playing game and the end of the regular season. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in like game 80 <laughs> to get a little bit of get like yeah. wind, wind in Just strong condition, little condition. Yeah. And then comes back and tries to, um, play after that. Uh, JD, I wanted to start with the Hawks. If that's okay with you, the Hawks are, um, they were, they declined hard (laughs) after a strong season last year, their last week, they, um, played the Pelicans lost 117 to 112. They beat the Knicks 117 to 111 lost to the Pistons 122 to 101. I did not see that. When did that happen? Right. Obviously. I yeah. <laughs> I was, I was very upset with that game. That game was, um, that's not good. And then they beat the Warriors 121 to 110. And JD, I brought up, I wanted to talk brought up how I wanted to talk about defense. Right. And I think this team is a prime example. Why? Like they are an amazing offensive team. But they just don't have any defenders, right? Or they have defenders, but that they I, in and out the lineup. I feel like, right? I feel like on defense you need to be on a chain, right? And on defense, the Hawks just have a lot of chain breakers where those guys they'll make one mistake and then it'll open up something like a backdoor layup will open up or a backdoor. You know, like someone cutting into like into open space for a three. Yeah, JD, what have you seen from the Hawks defense, and is that the reason why you think they've declined this year? Um, I think their defense is pretty horrible because they best lineup don't have no defender. They got rim protection, but they don't have a defender. I mean. Gallinari can't defend. Trey Young can't defend. Bod, uh, Bodanovich can't defend. Whether you want to say um, when they go with the smaller group with Kevin Herter, he can't defend. And John Collis at the center, he's a rim protector. Then you want to go with their regular lineup. Yeah, um, Capella, rim protector. Collins, rim protector. Then you got to look at the wings and you're like, no, because the LJ Hunter been in and out the lineup. But I think with Hunter, one wing, one wing defender is still not enough. Yeah. And I will say they do have another guy in their team that defends. That's the on right. But yeah, he don't get a lot of minutes, though. The on right. 18 minutes of DeLon Wright doesn't make up for 35 minutes of Trey Young. <laughs> you know, the impact that has on your defense. And you you said it perfectly. Like, DeAndre Hunter is one guy, right? And I think he has the opportunity to be a transfer, like a transformational player on defense. But that doesn't happen in your third year in the league when you've missed pretty much the last two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last two years, I think in the regular season, he's played a combined, like, 70 games, if my math's correct. And... He was killer in that um, Knicks series, but the Knicks had one guy to guard. So right now they'd be the 10th seed, right? <laughs> right now they are the 10th seed. They're 37 and 37. I don't know if I said that or not. Okay. They'd be playing Charlotte right now. Yeah. Let's just go through the list of guys Charlotte has for you to guard, right? LaMelo Ball. You have to guard him. Um, you have to guard Terry Rozier. You have to guard Miles Bridges, right? I don't think they have anyone to stop any one of those guys, let alone all three. And I think if like right now in the play, and I was really high on the Hawks coming into the year and boy, this was probably the team I was the most wrong about. Yeah. (laughs) Like 
I thought they could have been the third seed, but the positive momentum didn't carry over into this season. Um, <laughs> Trey's been incredible, and I think we'll talk about him. But man, JD, like, is am I crazy for thinking this is the most disappointing team in the NBA this year? Um, yeah, only because it's two other teams. Okay, let's that hear exist. Them. Let's hear them. One we talking about today. Okay. And the other one is the New York Knicks. I still, I st- this team made the conference finals last year, though, JD. Like, yeah, I- but we know why. <laughs> we know why. But, but they, they play, they play the Knicks and beat the Knicks. Then they play Philly, uh, unhealthy Philly at that. Because to be honest, even with what Ben Simmons did or didn't do, I think with Danny Green that they lose to uh, Philly. People don't mention that part, but I think with Danny Green out there, they don't beat Philly. It's certainly a question. I mean, cause I mean the the one thing that I'm sorry for cutting you off. The one no, thing good. that um they was able to do was shrink the floor because it was only Seth Curry that could shoot. It's true. You saying Furkan Korkmaz can't shoot? He couldn't that series. He was bad. He, you're right. I mean, that was by far the best series McMillan ever coached, I think. And Doc made it pretty easy on him. <laughs> Not taking away anything from McMillan because I really like McMillan. Yeah. But everything went right for the Hawks in that series and pretty much everything went wrong for the Sixers in that series. Really, like Embiid in retrospect, I've said this at the time. Like I said this at the time, I've been very consistent about this. Embiid deserves a little more of the blame than he got. Like not all yeah. of it, obviously. I think that was a complete team collapse, not just Ben, not yeah. just Matisse, not just Doc. I think everyone. But this year, JD, like I think... You know, Bogdanovich has taken a huge step back. Bogdanovich was really good last year. Yeah, he he been trashed this year to me. I like he better coming off the bench. He better coming off the bench. But as a starter, he hasn't been good. And this is somebody that was giving him what 17, 18 a night versus Philly. Um, even when trading play versus uh Milwaukee, he stepped up and had a big game. I think for him, if he's going to really be the number two guy, you can't revert back to 13 points. That's considered trash as the number two. You have to be in that 17-18 mark. I think that's the problem with the Hawks, though, is that, you know, I don't think Bogdanovich was supposed to be the two. I think it was supposed to be Collins or Hunter. Hunter is a really nice prospect. He's not there yet, you know? Like in terms of being like one of the guys, I think he's more of a complimentary player. Like he's kind of like, honestly, I think DeAndre Hunter is Harrison Barnes, right? Okay. And Harrison Barnes is a really good player, but Harrison Barnes wasn't ever good enough to lead a team. And I think that's like, if the Warriors, like if the Hawks are trying to build like the Warriors, right? Like Travis Schlenk is the guy who built the Warriors. They have their Curry. I don't know if they have their Draymond. They definitely don't have their Clay, right? Carter has not been as good this year, I think, as people projected he might have been. He's supposed to be a lot more efficient in my ass. He's, and I think he should have been a lot, but like, 
a lot more like trying to be well, I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this. Like he should have been like their clay guy, right? He should have been the clay guy, but okay. he hasn't been that. Like, and that's the problem to me. And he can't really defend that well. He's he's like, I think he's Luke Kennard with better PR. I'm just gonna say it. I think Herder just what like what has he done? He had 27 points in Game Seven. Other than that, he hasn't done anything. And he was a highly touted first round pick. They gave him a pretty good contract in the off season, but I, I just feel like we should have seen some growth from him in JD. He's only 23. He should have, there's no way he's done like developing as a player. I, I just feel like JD, he needs to, like, I think Harder is the key to unlocking the future of this team. Am I crazy for that? Um, yes, because I don't think he's enough. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. But am I crazy for thinking that he... Let me rephrase that. Am I crazy for thinking that he should be like one of the key foundational pieces of this team going forward and a good one at that? Okay, now I'm with you with that. <laughs> that's fair. I I do appreciate when you... When I ask, am I crazy? And you say yes. You know, it, it keeps me on my toes. <laughs> um, listen, I think Herter to me... Like Herter should be better than Bogdanovich. And I don't think he's been better than Bogdanovich this year. And... You know, there's a lot of guys wanting to take shots on this team, but like Lou Will is in his late 30s, right? Like not late 30s, he's in his mid 30s. You know, Danilo Gallinari is probably going to be, this is probably going to be his last rotation spot in the NBA. You know, like should have went to Boston. He probably should have. I think he would have been great in Golden State in that uh, Bielitsa role. Yeah, yeah. But, that's that. That was the best spot for him. But I think he would have wanted more minutes. That's why I said mm-hmm. Boston. It's listen. There's a lot of places. Need, I'm. I was wrong saying last rotation spot. This is definitely Danilo Gallinari's last season, making twenty million. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um. They just. I think this team has too many mouths to feed. I think their defense, like the pieces on defense, aren't good enough, and. So coming into the season, I was like, oh, they have all these young pieces. They should, you know, cobble some of them together and trade for a guy like Jalen Brown or Bradley Beal. Like after this season, I don't know if any of those teams want those young guys, right? Like maybe John Collins. Yeah, absolutely. I think John Collins has some appeal to a team, you know, trying to maybe get a rebuild started. But J.D., I don't think any other guy on this team – other than John Collins has any value for like any kind of star, let alone a superstar. What do you think? Um, I think he's the number one outside of Trey, obviously, but uh, yeah, I think Bogdanovich shows spurts where it's like, man, if only we can get this consistent. And I think I think it's that question now that keeps people on their toes of okay, can I go all in on him? With John Collins, you trust it for the simple fact he's not a one trick pony. He actually he actually has a lot of game to him and he's a freaking competitive guy. Like he just loves to compete. With by Donovan, sometimes it feels like he's not even interested in the game when he's not able to score. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there, I think my way of saying it is they just have a lot of guys. You brought up Bogdanovich. I think this can be applied to Herder and Hunter as well. They just have a lot of guys who go invisible, right? 
And I think you don't like you have a guy like Trey Young, who I th- I, I want to transition to talking about him in a sec, but. <laughs> You have a guy like Trey Young, who's a top, you know, 20 player in the NBA, the very worst. You need more guys that aren't invisible around him. But yeah, he like you need guys who are like, oh, hey, you know, Clint Capella last year was a top 50 player in the NBA. He is not a top 50 player this year. Like, yeah, he was. I mean, Clint Capella deserved to be on an all NBA team last year. I don't think he did make it, but I had him on my all NBA team. I'm pretty sure they gave. Yeah, they gave Rudy. (laughs) The third team all NBA spot. I would have given that to Clint. Oh, we already know that. Uh, yeah. I mean, Clint was amazing last year. Just not the same guy this year. And, you know, Okongwu has taken a little bit of a step forward. He's an intriguing prospect, but it's still, he's a 20 year old big man. And we see how it takes those, how long it takes those guys to grow. And the reddish trade is looking horrible for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, <laughs> Shoot, can't even really speak too much on that because he out for the Knicks. <laughs> he is, but still just like, I felt like coming into the year, they had such a great young core and now it's looking questionable at best. But let's move on to talking about Trey because Trey <laughs> somehow, some way keeps getting better in spite of the new foul rules. Averaging 28 points a game, 9.5 assists, career high in efficiencies. And I'm not... Let me pull up his page to make sure that's right. Yes, career high, 46% from the field, career high, 38% from three. I mean, J.D., this guy is an offensive powerhouse, and I think the Hawks are wasting an incredible season from him. Absolutely, because they don't make it out to play in. No, absolutely no way. Even if they beat Charlotte, they're not making it out of the play-in. Like, yeah, who 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 all is this? Charlotte, it's Brooklyn, Char- and Toronto, right? Toronto, the fourth team. Actually, right now it's Cleveland. Cleveland fell, and Toronto jumped up. Mm-hmm. They they don't beat Cleveland either. They don't beat Cleveland. Even this like zombie version of Cleveland. And Jared but, Allen's supposed to be back by the end. But like, okay, here's the question, and this is why it's such a bad thing. Out of those teams, other than Brooklyn, I would say Trey's the best player on the court in each single one of them. And for you to not have the best player on the court and to not be favored in any of those games. Yeah. He's obviously, he's not the best player in the Brooklyn game, but that's neither here nor there in the other against the other two teams and against Toronto and against, you know, I'm not going to go against Chicago because Zach and Tamar have been incredible this year, but basically from Toronto till Charlotte, and excluding Brooklyn, they have the best player on the court. JD, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> that they have one of the best players in the league. And he's being we're back to where we were like two years ago. I think last year. Here's here's a question for you. I'll I'll find a way to frame it before I start before I ask it. So that you'll I think you'll have a better chance to answer. But the Hawks last year, I think we agree coming into the year, we had no expectations for them. Right. Yeah. And after Lloyd Pierce got fi- like, especially after Lloyd Pierce got fired. Right. Nate McMillan comes in, makes them stable. Bogdanovich comes back. They get they start rolling. Right. And look Become, very good. Look very good. I mean, JD, like, <laughs> are the Hawks back to where they were when Lloyd Pierce got fired? 
like just in the middle of nowhere, kind of a middling team with a middling supporting cast. Are are they back to where they were in, you know, March, 2021? Yeah, I think so. For one, one reason being not only did nobody uh, have any expectations for them, but it was like you really kind of just seen Trey Young as a hot talent. You didn't really see the other pieces around them being good enough. And I think last year they just got lucky and it looked like it, but we knew deep down that they, they wasn't that. Not all of us knew that. <laughs> Not all of us knew that. I was very high on the Hawks, but I'm very clearly I wrong. Listen, I was in Trey Young is a special talent in the league, and I was just super enticed by his game. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to take the next step and he was going to be, you know, the next Steph Curry. And maybe that was a little, not the next Steph Curry, but like the next guy who explodes onto the scene. Yeah. Here's, we're lauding Trey with all this praise, but how much blame does he deserve for his defense? Right? Because his, he's probably one of the worst defenders in the league and he can get away with it because he's, you know, like one of the greatest offensive players in the league. But JD, how much blame would you assign his defense for Atlanta struggles this year? Um, I want to put a lot, but honestly, not a lot. All because two reasons. One being, he's a small guy. So we know he really not going to be a good defender anyway. But then again, I still want to put a lot on him just for the simple fact. Why aren't you in a passing lane better? Why why you aren't when you trapping or coming over as to help? You should come harder. You should it should you should be some sort of um spark plug in any way you can be. And on the team that's not doing well, we know Trey going to get everybody involved anyway. So he don't got to carry a load as to he have to put up 45 a night because he's going to give you double-digit assists almost nightly. You can spend a little energy for a player to just to get the guys rolling and actually trying to get them to do a little bit more defense. That's what a leader does. I mean, Steph Curry led the league in steals. And it was simply because of his effort that he was applying on defense. He was getting more transition threes. It can be simple stuff like that. Um, Damian Lillard. We seen Dane play the passing lane to a point where he was getting transition threes. These and these are not great defenders. CJ McCullum, same Russell thing. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is a bigger defender, though. I'm trying to stay around. I, I, a get, smaller I see guy. what you're saying. But Russell Westbrook was equally as bad. <laughs> and then oh, even Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's just it's just when you do little stuff like that. I think you can you can you can really motivate your team and push them to go further and go harder. 
Yeah. And like to even bring it back, he's not the same position, but Larry Bird was never regarded as like a top defender in the league, but he always played the passing lanes. Same with Magic Johnson, right? You can be a passable enough defender by being smart, right? Jimmy doesn't guard the best guy teams player one-on-one anymore. No, he don't. But, because PJ Tuck is and Jimmy can lock down the entire, what, what, what is it you call him? You I, said a, a free safety. I, I, <laughs> he is a free safety because he, you can put him on the elbow. He takes away 40% of the court yeah. with his wingspan anticipation. Right. And obviously Trey can't do that. Right. Trey doesn't have that wingspan. Trey's small. He dies on picks. Those are all going to be expected. Right. But if you're guarding, like I, I think right now, so I pulled a clean of the glass while we were talking. They have Atlanta right now, fourth best offense in the league, fifth worst defense. Mm-hmm. And if that's not like the Trey Young experience, I don't, I really don't know what is because <laughs> it's just a disgrace watching this team try to play defense. And Trey, you're absolutely right. There is stuff Trey can be doing, he just doesn't do it. Yeah, it, it's all effort. He's got to look in the mirror. He's got to be like, hey, you know, I got to take accountability for this. But any last Atlanta thoughts, JD, before we move on to your least favorite team in the league? What I call them my least favorite. Well, JD. Just about, just about. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go they ahead. just about my least favorite. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to your least favorite team in the league, the Indiana Pacers. Let's go ahead and just knock them out of the way. We don't really have to spend a whole lot of time talking about them. Um, 25 Thank and 15. Thank God. <laughs> good for 13th in the Eastern Conference. Um, lot, beat they the Blazers. Be 15th. <laughs> Beat the Blazers last Sunday, 129-98. Are currently on a three-game losing streak. Lost to the Kings, 110-105. It got shellacked by the Grizzlies, 133-103. And got shellacked by the Raptors, even worse, 131-91. JD, it's finally about time this team started tanking. Do you have any Pacers thoughts? Because I feel like we could just kind of rapid fire through this team a little bit. Let's just, how have you felt about Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana? I love Tyrese Halliburton. I love Halliburton. And you know what else I love that people not going to like? Like Pacers fans. I love him next to Malcolm Brogdon. It's a great fit to me. Really but is outside of that, the team sucks. Trade mouths turn to ace out. Honestly, y'all suck so bad. Y'all need to trade Tyrese Hallenburn and Malcolm Brogdon too. Get rid of everything that looks valuable. I would include Buddy Healed right now. Buddy Healed is oh yeah yeah yeah. Trade Buddy Healed too. He probably don't want to be there. Um, trade T.J. McConnell as well. After that, everything that looks like somebody would want is gone. You would trade uh you trade Chris Duarte, JD? Nope, keep him. I mean build honestly, around him. Honestly, they have like a wealth of options in the backcourt right now. I would be surprised if Brogdon's still on the team next year, but in the rare instance of you not hating the Pacers. You made a brilliant point. Not saying you don't make brilliant points, but you made a brilliant point. I think Brogdon and Halliburton are perfect next to each other. They they like, look very good. I think Brogdon can be the aggressive scorer. Halliburton's not an aggressive scorer. 
That's just right. not who he is. But Brogdon likes to shoot the ball. And so you move him to his more natural off guard position, right? You still let him handle the rocket about five assists a game or so, mm-hmm. but you're like, Hey, Tyrese, this is your ball. You know, you make all the decisions here and he's going to Tyrese Halliburton is one of the rare, the f- rare pure point guards in this league. Right. And I think he's, I trust him to make the right decision. I trusted him in Sacramento it's why I love the trade for the Pacers is because he's a really smart basketball player. The problem is, is he can't play defense worth a lick. <laughs> right. And yeah. And he's so frail. His body is too frail. He is not going to um, be a, I don't think he's ever going to be a high impact defender in the NBA, but he's got a lot of offensive game. And if they surround him with miles or if they draft chat next year, like, one of the two, right? There's a really good shot. They, you know, I think they, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I think that's real unrealistic standards at their highest. They they so. don't make the playoffs if everybody on the top thir- top 14 teams are injured. <laughs> I mean, are you saying the Pistons are better than they are? Yeah. After the All-Star break, the Pistons have been better than them, but that's not that's neither here nor there. Um I like Halliburton to me is a real interesting case where I want to see him freed from De'Aaron Fox. Like De'Aaron Fox took a lot up a lot of oxygen in Sacramento. But I'm I think Buddy Heald is staying in Indiana. Buddy Heald to me is the perfect Rick Carlisle player. Um yeah. Jalen Smith, they might have found a diamond in the rough. <laughs> He's shooting 40% from three after the Suns just were like, nah, we're not going to. JD, the Suns have been the best team in the NBA this year. They're at 61 wins. Um, they declined Jalen Smith's second year option. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Right now for the Pacers, he's averaging 13 and a half points a game, eight rebounds, and a block <laughs> in 25 minutes a game. Okay. Like, if that's not peak dumb sons, I don't know what is. And then <laughs> do you, I, the problem with this Pacers team is there's just not a whole lot to talk about. Right? Like I don't Dwayne Washington. Good for you, man. Shout out to Bryce's Ohio state. Um, <laughs> JD, do you have any Goga thoughts? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> like, yeah, no, there's there's not much to talk about. Miles Turner was averaging two point eight blocks a game before he got hurt. Um I I will say, JD, I will be interested to see Miles next to a real point guard next year. Because who's the best point guard Miles has played with? Like Darren Collison? Nah, Brogdon. I mean Brogdon, but Brogdon's not a pure point, right? Yeah, he's not, but that's one Miles said. <laughs> yes, which I don't know, JD. He played with uh, George Hill. <laughs> yeah. He played with uh, who else was their point guard? I don't even remember. He's had a lot of point guards in Indiana, which could be a which could be one of the problems he's had. So here's my question for you, JD. So the Pacers are very likely to get a high draft pick. If you're them, are you going after even more help in the backcourt and maybe trying to flip Brogdon for a front court player? Or are you just like going for a strict front court kind of guy and trying to help add to your team that way? Um, 
I I say gauge what broadening value is worth first. That way you know uh the direction to take, honestly. Cause I you mean, could trade you could trade for some draft picks and a decent uh big guy. Yeah, and I mean this draft has a few decent big men. This draft has a few decent forwards. And the Pacers have the Cavaliers first round pick and the Rockets second round pick, which will be the 31st pick. So they are going to turn their team around. This team has it at tanked in our lifetimes, JD. Do you know the last time the Pacers picked inside the top 10? No, but I could tell you, I feel like they should have the last 10 years. They probably should have. Yes. They got Paul George with the 10th pick in 2010. The last time they picked inside the top 10, like nine or higher, is 1988. Just forever ago. <laughs> and that was like nine years before both of us were born. <laughs> um, I believe they took Rick Smith with that pick. Rick Smith was the last time they picked inside the top 10. Or it was Reggie Miller. One of the two. Point being, this team... I think it was Reggie. This team tries not to suck. And yeah, they, you know, my problem with them. Mm-hmm. This ahead. is an organization that just wants to make the playoffs and feel like that's the peak. I hate the Pacers organization. It's terrible. They got the worst front office in all the sports. I don't care what anybody says. I would debate with that. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. I do not see why they were so complacent with just making the playoffs and feeling like that's the ultimate goal. They money hungry. They never cared about winning, in my opinion. And I think Larry Bird got tired of it. He said, I'm out of here. Paul George kept requesting the trade for certain players. They didn't do it. Then they got mad. He wanted to lead a trash ass. Then who else? Sabonis was over there busting his tail off for what? For nothing. I'm glad he gone. Now they hate Malcolm Brogdon, and he's been the most relevant player they had. Oh, and let me not forget, they was praising Oladipo for coming over, and he get hurt. Now, all of a sudden, they want to trade trade him, act like he was the problem for wanting more money when he the reason that the city had any life. They might have dodged a bullet on the Oladipo one, but you're otherwise completely right. Let me let me say something. You are, but guess what? He was loyal to the state of Indiana. Not just the Pacers, to the state of Indiana. He busts his butt for the state of Indiana. And you know what they gave him? Uh, they sent him to the Houston Rockets. To the Houston Rockets. Hey, you got to play with John Wall for a couple games. They That's- they they couldn't even trade him to a team he liked. They traded him to the Houston Rockets. I mean, listen, you know, if I got to play with John Wall and Christian Wood for a couple of games, I, I'd be pretty happy myself. But you know, I, I think your point is the point I want to close Pacers week on. Um I'll talk more about them at the lottery but there's not really much to talk about with them right now. So let's go ahead and move on to um, Dylan Hughes' least favorite team in the NBA. Mine as well. The Los Angeles Lakers. They are 31 and 43. Good for 10th in the Western Conference. They have fallen after losing to the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. They are The Pelicans are half game ahead of the Lakers. What an, what an incredible day, JD, because that might have given the, Lakers, uh, the Pelicans a tiebreaker. But this week, they... 
beat the Cavaliers 131 to 120, lost to the Sixers 126 to 121. And in a game LeBron didn't play in, but Dwight Howard had a throwback 24 and 8. And then obviously today they lost to the Pelicans, um, 116 to 108, I believe. JD, this is probably. You said this was probably one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA as well. I agree, but I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't have expectations for them coming into this year. I didn't think this team was going to do jack shit. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, <laughs> but I thought it was going to be, I thought they were going to top out as a six or bottom out as a six seed. And they might miss the play in JD. They're like a half game ahead of your Spurs right now. How, like, how have you felt watching the Lakers this year? Just in general. Utterly disgusting. <laughs> like who who wants to spend their time watching filth? Not the players, but the team. That's a trip. It's disgusting. I hate it. It's not great. I, I I absolutely hate it. I feel like every time I watch them, I'm losing brain cells. Um I think I would have been a much better uh, GM than what the hell they think they have. Um, yeah, they suck. I don't know a better way or anything else to say. They're trash. You want a bold proclamation, JD? Tell me something. I think right now LeBron James isn't in the top eight, top eight NBA players. Okay. I don't think he's. I think he might not even be like in the top nine. What he like? He is putting up the most empty stat season of all time, which is saying something because LeBron puts up. LeBron's stats were usually loud, right? I think that was the thing about his game that was so stark. Like, he was putting out these numbers, and they would win so many games, right? Mm -hmm. Like Miami, Cleveland, um, his first few couple years in L.A. But I don't know. Like, just watching him, it's not the same. He's clearly lost a step, right? He is shooting way too many threes. LeBron James should not be shooting eight threes a game. He should absolutely, there is absolutely no world where he should be shooting eight threes a game. He is scoring 30 points a game. He is one of the league leaders in points per game. But I, every time I watch him, I'm just like, I feel hollow. You know, it's not like the same as watching Prime LeBron where he would put the fear of God into you. Mm-hmm. Today, I was watching the fourth quarter. Like, I was watching the last five minutes of that fourth quarter. Herb Jones was shutting him down. Right. He was letting (laughs) they were coming off of five days of rest, too. They hadn't played since Wednesday (laughs) and they come out and put up a stinker against the team. They absolutely need to beat. That's a must win game for the Lakers today. They they needed to beat the Pelicans and they couldn't do Jack. Right. And when LeBron puts up these numbers, if you look at the box score, LeBron had a great game tonight. I'm going to pull up the box score right now. I think he had like thirty nine points. He shot two of eight in the fourth quarter. In a game they desperately needed and they lost by eight. <laughs> like, it's just not good enough anymore. Like, LeBron's best, I think LeBron's best isn't good enough. So, okay, box score stats, right? 14 of 27, pretty good. 7 of 13, pretty good. Let's check the fourth quarter stats, okay? 2 of 8 in the fourth quarter, 0 of 3 from 3, 0 foul attempts, 1 rebound, 1 assist. 
That's not the LeBron we know and love, especially playing all but 19 seconds of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Like, Jay, I think, like, we've been talking about when are we going to see the decline? <laughs> His decline has been so gradual. I don't think anyone's noticed it, but it's here. He's not the same. Like, I, it's obvious he's not the same guy that he was in the bubble. But right. man, he has fallen fast. And, Jay, I think I don't think you can win a title with LeBron as your best player anymore. I don't. And I think, I think he's. I'm not saying he's cooked because he's still going to be able to put up points, right? Yeah. He's going to break Kareem's scoring record, but that's that's all he cares about at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that. And another thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Another thing. I don't think he was the best player for his fourth rank. No, I don't. I think you can make that case. I mean. They lost whenever AD had a bad game. They lost whenever AD had a mediocre game. If AD, when AD got his season average, they lost. We seen, we seen Jimmy Butler take a game from them when LeBron numbers was better than AD's. But whenever their numbers was close in comparison, teams couldn't beat them. Just saying. But honestly, right now, LeBron just hunting down the um, scoring thing. He he trying to do all that he can right now to try to win the GOAT debate. I don't think I don't really think it's about um, just trying to win games. Obviously, he's not trying to lose them. But I think right now he hunting the record down and he wants to win the GOAT debate. He wants to be called the GOAT. He say he feel he's the GOAT. He want other people to feel that more than what it is right now. And let me say this. As far as career-wise go, he has had the greatest career of all time. Because his his level of success and excellence, nobody has seen it be sustained for this long. But when you say at their best, in their prime, MVP this guy, we're not thinking of LeBron James first. Because even if we say greatest career of all time and all of that, yeah, numbers will show. And you know what's one of the most important numbers, in my opinion? Rings. He took more L's than W's. And people want to go and say this uh, Golden State thing. Well, I also have an opinion about that. Whose fault is that? Um, the the players' unions, but continue. Is it, is it is it really Golden State fault for taking advantage of what the league put in place? It's not like LeBron didn't do the same thing before as building a super team that felt unbeatable. The only difference was Golden State built theirs from the ground up, so nobody seen it coming. And all they did was say, hey, Kevin Durant, look at how much money we got. And we know we can fit, your game can fit ours. Come on over. They didn't have to make any adjustments. Unlike when people play with LeBron, they have to make adjustments. And, and I'm sorry for going going in on to this random tangent a little bit, but I'm just trying to say that I don't blame Golden State for what they did, as many other people do as to why they lost. I don't blame... 
Like, I don't take the, the 2007 loss versus the Spurs off his record just for the simple fact. He got there, and his team was better than Allen Iverson's team that went against the um, 01 Lakers. But we can't take that off Allen Iverson's record and say he never made the finals. No. We keep it on there because that's one of the most impressive finals we've seen from an individual player. And LeBron had a great finals in 2007. So I'm not taking nothing off. But anyway, back to uh, the originally scheduled program. The reason why I say that this team is one of the biggest disappointments is because all the hype going into this team. People truly believed in this team. Why? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. It, it reminds me of last year team when everybody said they made all these upgrades with the Mark Gasols, with the Montrez Harrells, with Dennis Schroeder. You know, they say they upgraded from the um, championship team and they was completely ass. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, it's just been a regression every year since the championship year. I mean, and even so, just looking at LeBron's Los Angeles tenure, right? He's only finished one, like he's only played one complete season, like only one full season in Los Angeles where he didn't get hurt. Like the year 2018, do you realize he played 82 games? (laughs) Impressive. (laughs) The The year before that in Cleveland. Only the age 32 season. So it's not like we're talking about that long ago, right? Mm-hmm. The year the year KD went to the um, Golden State, he played 74 games. Now, was he playing too many minutes in those years? Yeah, he played 37 minutes a game. Because he had, he had to. He had to. But he hasn't really played a whole season other than the 2020 season. And in the 2020 season, he had the benefit of having three months off. Mm-hmm. Right. In the middle of like, not even three, five months off because they stopped in um, March and didn't pick up t- till August. So you had that advantage. Right. And then he comes out guns blazing. He's done it before. He has a bunch of veteran experience like in his in his head and on his team. Right. That team was veteran late. And I think KCP was one of the youngest guys on that team for context. Right. They had Danny Green. So that team was just built different, right? Like, I think the two teams that made the finals that year, I'm not discounting anything from them because that was such a mentally hard finals to get to slash win. (laughs) And I'm not taking anything away from them, but those two teams were full of veterans and they got to the play. They got to the finals. And last year he wasn't able to stay healthy. He looked terrible against the Suns, right? Awful. Yeah. He could could not get any separation on his like fadeaway jumpers. This year, during the one of the games I watched, actually no, it was during the Pelicans game. In a key situation, he got beat on a back cut, <laughs> on a two on three fast break. He was just standing there. It's like you're LeBron. You're supposed to put the fear of God into your opponents in transition. He's 37 years old. This is an irrational fear. But LeBron has defied all aging and basketball expectations. Yeah. Right? There's no way he at 37 should be able to move the way he does. But it doesn't change the fact that moving the way he does adds to the increased expectations. Right? Right. And he deserves those expectations if he wants to be in the greatest of all time conversation, like you said. And he's not living up to that right now. And that's fine because 
in the grand scheme, like we'll be like, oh wow, LeBron at age 37 put up an unparalleled season. But compared to the way the media talks about him, the way you know the basketball intelligentsia talks about him, it's like this isn't good enough, right? <laughs> he's doing a lot of he's doing more harmful things at this point than helpful things, which is crazy to say about LeBron James. But it's like, bro, you're taking 30 foot threes when you could take your ass down to the post, right? You're taking, you know, you're not playing any defense when you could at least jump the passing lanes. Like 1.3 steals isn't enough for LeBron. I'm sorry. Like he should be averaging at least two a game. He's so much smarter than them. How is he not averaging more than that? Right. A block a game is pretty impressive at age 37. I'm not going to lie to you. But yeah. I'd rather I'd rather him be playing the passing lanes than try to be protecting the rim. That's just that's how I feel about it. And I don't know, JD. Like to be honest, those blocks are all uh, what's this called? Are all highlight blocks? Mm-hmm. I don't. It, none of them is truly playing defense blocks. That's a fair. It's a fair criticism. And <laughs> listen, man. Like, just looking at the stats, right? Looking at the stats, you would think, wow, LeBron's having a career year at age 37. But I don't know. Just There's something about this year that's left a sour taste in my mouth. It just feels like this is a fraudulent basketball team. And mm-hmm. my, favorite, my favorite thing about basketball reference is that the game logs have wins and losses in the games they've played. So including tonight, because basketball reference doesn't have that yet. They're 25 and 30 when he plays. That means they're obviously a lot worse when he doesn't play, but you should not be worse than 500 with LeBron James on your team. Mm-hmm. That just shouldn't be a thing. And people want to blame the Russell Westbrook and 80 stuff. And to be honest, regardless of who is on the floor with that guy, they always say he could take anybody to the finals, right? Ain't this ain't this the biggest thing? He could take anybody to the finals. And well, the West, my, well, my question is, they say he make everybody better and all that. Well, this becomes my question: Why, when he lose, we use the same? They use the same thing as a reason why they lost. No, I'm not finna sit here. It's just like it's just like saying, um. The reason that uh, this team was good was because they throw the ball a lot in football, right? But they also lost because he didn't have nobody to throw it to. Yeah. Like, like what the hell? You're saying they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to the LeBron. Yeah, they they have. It's like they they have to find an excuse as to why things happen the way they happen. I and don't don't get me wrong. I agree that a lot of times it don't like he don't have enough help. But you can't just sit here and make everybody else to blame every time. I don't yeah. think that's that's real. It's not. I mean, Russ, let's talk about Russ real quick. I mean, this went about exactly how everyone thought it would. Right. Oh, I, I said it. I said it instantly. I said it. I think me, you and Dylan we hit this nail on the head ASAP, right? Where it was like, this is an awful move. And it's it's not Russ's fault, right? Because yeah, he wanted to be traded to LA. 
but Russ is so great. He didn't see that, like what was the repercussions of that would be. LeBron and Rob Polinka both deserve a large amount of the blame for what has gone wrong with Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook, right? Because LeBron's like, oh, I can make it work with anybody. No, you can't. <laughs> Not this guy. This guy can't shoot. This guy needs, like, who have been the players who have been the next best next to Russ, right? We've seen him thrive with Paul George next Paul to him. George. We've seen him thrive with Bradley Beal. KD. What can those guys all do? Those guys can be complimentary players, right? Those guys know how to like be the second banana in a sense, right? Paul George had the best season of his career with Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. but LeBron James and Russell Westbrook have no similarities in their games. <laughs> well, no complimentary um, pieces. Exactly. And yeah, the complimentary pieces like DJ Augustine is making a legitimate impact on this team. Wendy and Gabriel, Stanley Johnson, those guys are coming in and having a better impact than Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Taylor Horton Tucker, like most disappointing player on the most disappointing team, I'd say. Like that guy was given a contract instead of Alex Caruso. And we've seen who's been like even with the time Caruso's missed, we've seen who seen who's been the superior player. It's not been close, right? Right. The version of last year's team that they just keep Kuzma, they keep KCP. Kuzma and KCP have been balling out in Washington. Yeah. Those two have been the highlights of Washington's season this year. And the and Lakers what's, were funny, like, what's funny is everybody wanted to get rid of both of them the most. And I think that's who they need the most right now. If they had those two, I think they'd be firmly like they'd be where the Clippers are or closer to it. Mm-hmm. I think they should have never got rid of Danny Green. <laughs> You're going in the wayback machine. People, people, people clown them for missing those those shots, but to be honest, they need a guy like Danny Green. They you need Trevor Ariza isn't getting the job done. Man, sometimes I forget he I forget he on the team. You saying Avery Bradley isn't getting the job done? Forget he on the team. Nah, I know Avery Bradley on the team. And you know, I actually one of the guys that like Avery Bradley. But the thing is, Avery Bradley has to be around other guys that can do similar things to what he could do. Like, he's a three-point corner shooter. They need guys that can just space the floor. If he's not from the corner to the to the uh, elbow, you live with him shooting. It's just it's just like um, Patrick Beverly. These are guys that you know going to bring intensity on defense, and you give them a corner three, half percentage. But what about the guys that can shoot from all the other areas? You, if you gonna have Avery Bradley, you want a guy like Patrick Beverly out there on on the opposite side of him. That way, you got your corners not down. Then you can use a guy like Melo to uh fill in in the other areas. You can use a guy like uh, Malik Monk to fill in in the other areas. Because another thing about it is Avery Bradley is a nice cutter, and you'll be able to allow guys like Westbrook and and LeBron the the paint more. But then again, those two play horrible together, LeBron and Westbrook. Westbrook played much better with AD. 
LeBron played much better with AD. But when you think about it, if you know Anthony Davis has a history of getting injured, you don't bring in a guy who plays a lot like your other guy who don't get hurt as often. You usually kind of bring in somebody that offsets that. That way, if we lose this guy, these two can still play great ball together. That's not what the Lakers did. They went about it completely wrong, in my opinion. Very stupid, in my opinion. And they reaping what they sow. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't put it better myself. That's reaping what they sow. That's the name of the Lakers 2020. You know, like if they had like a photo album, that's the name of their photo album this year. Just reaping what they're sowing. And I do want to shout out Malik Monk. Um he is the only the only bright spot on this year's team. Other obviously LeBron averaging 30 games is pretty great. But Malik Monk is gonna get himself a bag next summer. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy for him because I was super high on him coming out of Kentucky. Absolutely, and- me too. You know, freshman year of college. I probably talked about him and De'Aaron Fox every day. Yeah, and I think he's probably like honestly, he should go to he should go across the hallway in Staples Center. You should just go to LAC. Imagine Tyloo using Malik Monk. Imagine. I, I don't think that would happen, but because <laughs> the Clippers sure as hell can't afford him. I think he's going to get like 15 to 18 million a year in a free agency. I think he's earned a bag this summer. He can't really play defense still, but um, I also want to shout out Mello. Mello isn't like what he used to be, but He's like Russell Westbrook should look at what Mello did and be like, that's what I need to do. Right. Yeah. He should be like Mello real. And it took Mello a while to realize this, but once Mello did Mello's extended his career, Mello's yeah. the only, like the only other guy from the Oh three draft class. That's still in the league. That's not LeBron. And, and I want to say this Mello filled in his role very well for them. You couldn't ask Melo to really do much more because he has his games where you could still go to him and depend on him to carry the a hairy load, a heavy load. Then it's also he's been a steady 13, 14 points. That's all that you ask of him. And that's why at the start of the season, it felt like him and Tyler Hero was in a two-man race for six man of the year because they were both doing everything you asked of. It's the only difference is Tyler Hero gonna get more minutes. Tyler Hero's gonna get more opportunities. But what you asking the mellow, he was literally given. And I think for for let me see, a playoff contender team. Um imagine I'm not saying game style. But imagine Memphis having a guy that came in with mellow offensive scoring ability from their bench, and he just delivered every night. You know how much tougher Memphis would be. Yeah, like that. Like imagine, like Melo just being in a situation like that, where he's the ninth man instead of the sixth man. 
and, and you and, and just because of the impact, you would think he could win six man of the year. Right. Just because right. of the impact that it would bring to or for instance, this is what what Melo is doing for them is what Philly want Tobias Harris to do with their second unit. When he when he's the guy for on um running with their second unit. Just come just come in and dominate as a scorer. Just feel that role. Be who you are. And that's what they allow Melo to do. The only to be honest, I like that Portland let Melo be Melo a little bit more than what um the Lakers do. But then again, the Lakers is a team, higher expectations, more big names. So they they hey Melo, you're not going to be able to do this, this and that. So yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> Melo to me, like he's a guy where you just throw him on a team. You ask him to shoot a couple spot up threes. You throw him a couple post ups because he can usually make those. Mm-hmm. By the way, by the way, um, Melo, uh, <laughs> Melo is not like he's far from LeBron because LeBron actually just passed. 37,000 points tonight. Mm-hmm. But JD, he's on the all-time list. I'm trying to find the um all-time list for po- points scored. Melo's pretty close to the top 10. Yeah, I think um, he I think he right on the outside if I'm not mistaken. I'm look I'm, there it is. Okay, career points. This is, I think this is a perfect place to close. Yeah, Melo's currently 11. He is 353 points away from Shaq, which if he plays next year, he should pass. And I'm Melo's going to play. So where's where's all the love for Melo? That's all I got to say. Um, <laughs> that's the... That's the final takeaway from this podcast. Melo deserves more love than LeBron. Um, <laughs> JD... It's time to, for shameless plugs. That was an awesome Wait, episode. One more thing I got to say about thing. the okay. trash ass Lakers. Stop ruining people' careers, man. People shouldn't have to fight to rebuild their name after leaving them. For instance, we just we watched Andre Drummond go through it. Montrez Harrell. Now we about to watch Russ Westbrook. Oh, another guy. Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I'll just say another guy, Schroeder, um, Danny Green, KCP, Marquise, Dave and Trash Kuzma. And Kuzma, and thank God Washington believed in him because Kuzma didn't even have any traction outside of that trade. And literally everybody that People killed their name. It's probably doing better than everybody but LeBron on a team. Maybe Malik Monk. Um, who's nah. not doing better than Malik Monk? But uh, other than him, yeah, I'll go with that. I, I like Drummond more than uh, Monk right now. Okay, that's fair. His, I'll, his, his I'll take both. Much better. Okay, so two guys, but your your larger point stands. Um, JD, what do we got coming down the pipeline for facts and stats? Well, uh, people need to check it 
check out and tune into the episode that's out now. I think that's one of the deepest and quickest episodes I've done. Um, as I said, I got a couple that um, I've been working on. As you know, I just finished up a great piece about uh, appreciation and the mindset of having it is what it is, you know. And I got one Well, I actually got another one I'm working on just about not just appreciate people, but giving people their flowers. Cherish them. important. Cherish them while they're here. Uh, I'm working on a couple things, man. I'm excited. That's awesome. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Insanity. Um, that's going to be a banger this week. Final four decided. JD, who you got winning the national championship? Oh, man, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, who are you going to bet on? <laughs> this is funny. I bet on um, the Villanova, Villanova to win. I bet it on. I probably, I probably take Kansas and I don't know. That's gonna be a tough game, Villanova Kansas. But I can't wait to watch. I haven't really had a chance to watch any of the tournament because of work and stuff. And I'm off on Sunday or on Saturday and Monday, so I'll yeah. be able to watch all the games next weekend. So that'll be that'll be a great time. You know, you know, I hate Duke, so I'm going North Carolina and North Carolina Villanova. I don't know. I'm so stuck between Kansas and Villanova. I want to take Kansas, but I feel Villanova can pull an upset. But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take. Man, I don't know. It depends on what day of the week it is. Uh, you know what? My official stance is I'm taking the opposite of whatever Caleb Lynn is taking. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Bryce. No, I'm just taking the opposite of Caleb Lynn. Uh, I naturally go against Bryce. He's a so, hater. You know, that's fair. We each have our antagonists. Um, Circle City Cinema got nothing cooking in the pot right now, but, you know, Book of Boba Fett just came out. If you're going back and watching that, you know, if you hadn't watched already, go give those episodes a listen. JD, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Oh, man, no problem. You know I love it, bro. I love it, too. I want to thank the audience so much for listening.